Teachers Supporting Teachers, a podcast sharing insights into becoming and being a teacher. I'm your host, Narelle Lemon, an Associate Professor in Education at Swinburne University in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm currently working with final year pre-service teachers who require some extra support as they navigate preparing to be a teacher in the current dynamic of COVID-19. I'm curious and love to use this strength to find out more. So what better way to support others than to create this podcast series to be able to gain insights and perspectives from colleagues and friends. I also run Explore and Create Co that runs workshops, delivers coaching and creates resources informed by positive psychology to support all of us in different ways to explore self-care and mindfulness. So there's no surprise that well-being features in each of these conversations as well. I really wanted to delve further into what it means to be a teacher, what we bring, how we navigate the current climate, and tips and tricks that support us being and becoming teachers. I'm so grateful for my generous guests who share their hearts and advice for all of us to embrace as they open up about what motivates and inspires them in the hope that this makes you a bit more curious, open and aware with what can be possible. Rose, it's so lovely that you can join us. Thank you so much. How are you today? Really well, thanks. The sun's shining. It's a good day. (laughs) Awesome. It's so good. So I wonder um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do work-wise and what led led you to this uh, role that you do. Sure. Okay. And forgive me, Narelle, I might just refer to my notes from time to time. I don't want to miss anything. And this is Rafa sitting on my knee. He's a uh, Labradoodle. He's just two years old and uh, he might sit there for a little bit and then he might get off and have a rest. So that's good. Beautiful. (laughs) Okay. So I'm an educator, coach and founder of social enterprise Live With Zest. So I work with these positive education dogs, these Australian Labradoodles. One's called Flash. He's named after Dwayne Wade, the basketballer. (laughs) <laughs> His name was Flash, and Rafa is named after Rafael Nadal, the tennis player. Very nice. So they have advanced canine-assisted education qualifications, and I came to the role through working as a volunteer with Flash at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. So we worked as a therapy team for over eight years, and that was soothing patients who might have been in rehabilitation, mental health, eating disorders, and more recently we work at uh, St Vincent's Private Hospital. So my my curiosity was actually peaked over and over because what would happen is we'd walk into the hospital and it was the doctors, surgeons, nurses, paramedics, and they'd ask me if they could pat the dog. So Flash is non-judgmental, soft, warm, sentient, and he offers immediate biofeedback. They knew they were, by acting intentionally with the dog, they could experience rapid well-being. And this was really interesting because then they could return to their challenging work. So they could get a rapid well-being boost. Mm-hmm. So this was more than therapy for these high-functioning people. This was both soothing and strengthening. And that, and that got me really excited. And I, and I looked into it a little bit more. So I did some further research and I, and I realised there are a lot of neurobiological benefits. Like I, I knew that it felt good for me personally, but I didn't really know why. And then when I got into a bit of the science, I was like, 
this is this is amazing so after observing so many life enhancing transitions as as a result of the canine assisted therapy i decided to pursue the master of applied pos psych at melbourne uni which i know you're very familiar with given that you've just graduated yeah which is yeah. also referred to as the map as we know yeah. um and that was underpinned by a previous master of Apl of um education policy international which i'd studied at melbourne um and and also i'm i'm i align my work with what's happening with pisa positive education schools association and ipa which is international positive psychology association um in a former career i studied wine marketing of all things <laughs> and i worked for the champagne company moet et chandon moet et chandon uh and lectured in higher ed so it was during the map i discovered that the practice of savoring was a real thing and i'll just explain for people you probably they're probably familiar with mindfulness given that they're your listeners so mindfulness as i understand it according to john cabot zinn is being more aware in the present moment non-judgmentally of the positive and the negative savoring is different and this is fred bryant's work savoring is different because you're more aware but you're choosing to focus on the positive. So you're zeroing in on what brings you positive emotion. And that's really exciting because we know that it brings you greater well-being, and it has a temporal or a time factor to it. So I can savour my conversation with you right now. I can look forward to having dinner with my husband tonight, or I can think about the coffee that I had this morning. And all those things bring me a lot of pleasure and bring me a lot of well-being. Mm. And I came to that uh, really through wine, because if you look at a glass of champagne, you might look at the appearance, the aroma, the flavor, the profile, and it just becomes alive to you. But I want you to know when I work with kids in education, I'm not teaching them about alcohol. I want you to know that. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I probably talk about chocolate or ice cream rather. Okay. And, and in recent times, I've actually um, created a walk talk savoring coaching practice and i'm really excited about that because it brings all the elements of moving your body being in nature talking and being coached which we know works and savoring which we know works as well so what i want to do is build well-being across diverse populations so, yeah that's beautiful that's yeah. uh keeps you busy I know it does. It does. It's really, it's really exciting because I see the change, and and I'm so grateful for all the other things that I've done. It's almost like I've come full circle, and now yeah. sitting on the carpet with a child, watching their facial expressions and their body language is just like wow, what a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, and I can see how those all those uh, past experiences and then uh, the new experiences and understanding positive psychology, particularly around savouring, how they all come together to enable you to do what it is that you do, which is just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. And, and if I may say, the dogs are really important in this because dogs, unlike other companion animals, sorry, cat people, dog, cat people, cats are good, but dogs are a little bit different because they smell with their noses they smell if we're anxious they smell cortisol they read our facial expressions they're reading our body language they are very authentic very loyal non-judgmental and for the human being that those characteristics are just so beautiful in fact 
there was a psychologist in, New, in Queensland, Jordan Shun, she did her PhD on dogs as psychological assets. Mm-hmm. So how people are earning over six-figure salaries with partners, choosing to have dogs as family members, and how their dogs, you know, exhibited some of the best of human characteristics, that loyalty, that unconditional positive regard, beautiful, beautiful characteristics, yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. So part of your work um, you do in schools and in educational settings, I know you work in um, universities and residential areas as, as well with Flash and Raphael. Um, I'm wondering what you can, you know, tell us a little bit more about what you do and, and what that looks like. Yep, yeah, sure. Okay, so I'll refer to my notes just because I don't want to miss anything out. Okay, so one of my key focuses or foci as an educator is um, is actually teacher and pre-service teacher well-being. So what I want to do is help teachers manage stress, improve resilience and thrive despite the challenges of their work. So Flash Raffer and I visit schools and universities throughout the term and semester. So not just at the pointy end, not just at exam time. And that's important because we build, we're priming and building well-being throughout semester. So we engage with smaller and larger groups with the dual purpose of both soothing and strengthening. So it's both therapy, but it's more importantly education Mm. and using savouring. So our positive interventions might include observation and storytelling, intentional interactions such as patting, caregiving, say giving the dogs water, giving treats, seeking volunteers to perform tricks with the dogs. I don't have a problem getting volunteers usually. People are very excited about getting involved, particularly in front of their friends and other people. Um, building high quality connections. This is some Jane Dutton's work and uh, that, that, that can lead to increased feelings of belongings. And for the humans only, we do a chocolate savouring because the dogs have their own beef liver treats. The, the humans get the chocolates and they're usually lint chocolate balls, which are pretty exciting. And, and we also reflect. So what's happening is the participants leave the workshops with a greater understanding and experience of savouring and resulting positive emotions and feeling encouraged to make it a regular practice. And this is great because they can enhance their overall well-being and help them to function optimally. And it's really lovely because we know that if you're just doing animal-assisted activities and then the animal leaves, if you're not doing any education, people can go back to feeling the way they did. But I feel like I'm giving them tools and tips that they can keep using and also lovely storytelling. It's like, oh, when's that crazy dog lady coming back? You know, we really enjoy that. <laughs> That's beautiful. I wonder what do you notice about the impact of canine-assisted therapy and particularly the impact that it has on young people? Um, in sharing positivity because that's a that's a really big thing and particularly right at the moment with COVID-19 and so much dynamic change the uncertainty and fear that is around in our in our space at the moment. Sure that's a really good question. Um, We know the dogs are funny you know Flash and Rafa they're very cute and cute is an important thing actually you know they don't look um, aggressive in any way they look like teddy bears with heartbeats um, they're cuddly, they're very social, they love people. And, and just from the time we appear or enter a room, you know, young people are smiling, they're engaged, they get excited, they laugh when we arrive, and the positive laughs, laughs throughout the session and, and beyond. Um, 
So because I've underpinned the canine assisted education with this with the savoring, and if people want to look further into it, and I can give you some links, this is um, Fred Bryant and Veroff's seminal text, which is in fact called Savoring a New Model of Positive Experience, and they wrote that in 2007. And what they do is they describe 10 evidence-based savoring strategies, and people can, um, uh, so people, oh, sorry, by teaching, practicing, and embedding these 10 ways to savor, which includes sensory perceptual sharpening, so that's in essence using all your senses, young people can continue to savor after the session. They can share their experiences with others, that's one way to savor, and they can display positive emotions. So that's mm -hmm. two, two other ways. And early evidence suggests that as a result of the canine-assisted education and savoring, there's an increase in cognitive development through stamina for learning. There's improved empathy for self and others. And we know empathy is a huge piece mm -hmm. in well-being, and I know you do that really well, um, thinking of self-compassion and Kristen Neff's work. And increased sociability through increased eye contact, greetings, improved tone of voice, use of praise and encouragement and frustration tolerance. It's a wonderful shared experience for the group. And what I see is you often see the dog owners or dog people will be role playing for people who perhaps haven't, a lot of, haven't had a lot of experience with dogs. And that's a wonderful thing because they feel good, you know, because they get to demonstrate some of their expertise. And we know about peer-to-peer -peer learning. So it's, it's kind of just keeps being a win-win-win. Totally, win, win, win all around. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. So I'm wondering, um, uh, you know, how could we now in the time of COVID-19 really utilise our pets and animals uh, in, our, in our life, um, you know, a little bit more so to help us, help us cope? And I know, um, you know, teddy bears with hearts are, are just are absolutely gorgeous and but not everyone might have a puppy or a dog or access access to one or can't see one now because they they um, are uh, isolated in it and, and can't visit cross homes. So you, what, what are your thoughts about utilising our pets and animals in our life? Yes, I've just, I've just realised I've got a, a bear at the top of the bookcase there. So if people don't have a pet, they might have a teddy bear. It's not quite the same because it doesn't have a heartbeat, but... That's a really good question, okay? So during COVID-19, a lot of pets are very happy, actually, because their owners are home a lot more, and that can be a really good thing to start with. Um, I guess I've got some experience in the area because I've got a husband with a very busy job who's at home. Fortunately, he's got his own office, just quietly. We have um, two sons who've graduated from undergraduate degrees, and one's due to in, uh, finish his PhD at the end of this year. And... I put myself into self-isolation as I view it when I was working on two master's degrees. So I feel like I've had a little bit of experience in this space. Um, I'll answer in reference to dogs. Um, and feel free if, if you're listening to adapt for your own pets and animals. So I think a big thing is to keep the pet's welfare in mind mm -hmm. and take that into consideration. And... So if they're comfortable with it, I would keep them close by, literally. Allow them to sit by your side or at your feet or wherever the dog feels comfortable. Right now, both dogs are here on their, on their dog mats 
and uh, they can come and go as they please. Um, because merely observing pets and being in their presence, as long as they're not burping or, or snoring loudly, can be calming and reduce anxiety. Um, we also know, and there was a study done in Adelaide, if your dog sleeps peacefully, there's a lot to be said for a dog sleeping on the bed. As long as it's not doing a starfish or wriggling or making lots of noise, it's actually can be very soothing and help people to to um to feel comfortable having a sentient being sleeping in the room or on the bed with them not too much information there okay so uh just in terms of observing pets and being in their presence imagine that you're a scientist or an investigator and study every part of your pet this is one suggestion you could Use all your senses of sight, smell, hearing, touch, perhaps not taste. You know, notice the little bumps on their nose, their whiskers, eyelashes, coat, perhaps their curls if they're oodles, paws, nails, teeth. Don't get too close to their teeth. Heartbeat, warmth, and their weight on your lap or your leg. And the weight on your lap is really important because that's called sensory modulation. And I learned that visiting the hospital and an OT said that I had to look it up. But apparently it's the weight of the dog on your lap, feeling their warmth and their heartbeat. It's incredibly soothing for you. Mm. A weighted blanket is a little bit similar for anxiety, but it doesn't have the, the heartbeat. Okay. Um, Gently hold them so that you can feel each other's heartbeats, chest to chest or ventral to ventral. I'll just demonstrate with Rafa if I may. It's always good when you've got a little treats handy. And flashes here as well. I'll just show you flashes. Flash is a bit bigger. He weighs about 20 kilos. So come there you go. Oh, nice. He's looking at the um, at the at the liver, liver treat. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll use Flash as my demo model. So what I recommend, and it depends how big your dog is and whether your dog's comfortable with this, either sit it on your lap or sit next to it. You could lie on the floor. And you see how my chest and actually my heart on my left side and Flash his chest it's it's kind of side on and you can see he's yawning he's pretty relaxed okay so it's really important if you can do this if only if the dog's comfortable for between five and 24 minutes i do it you know about five minutes because this is the optimum time for anxiety to drop or or cortisol for your heartbeat to drop to feel calmer and what's actually happening is your oxytocin's increasing. And this can be beneficial. I'll let him go now. Maybe he doesn't like being on camera. This can be beneficial for you and the dog. It's mutually beneficial and it's known as the oxytocin effect. And you might feel calmer and more focused afterwards. Mm. The other thing I do is take note of when the dog sleeps and eats. Is it time for you to do the same? Although not too much sleep. Take note of when the dog nudges you to go for, for food or to go outside or go for a walk. 
is it time for you to do the same? And I'm, I'm really sincerely grateful because I feel like my dogs have taught me how to enjoy life more because, you know, and I know it's certain personality types and particularly working from home, we can be on all the time mm. and we know that's not great for our well-being. And we know that, you know, there's the story about the guy in the forest. He, he doesn't take time to sharpen the saw. So he keeps trying to cut down the trees, but he can't because he's using a blunt saw. So we need to take the time out to sharpen our own saws and, and we're going to be much more productive and much happier actually and feel much more refreshed. So I feel like the dogs have helped me to do that. So just get Rafa back up here again. Yeah, that's it. I love that analogy and, and it's real. I think it's even more so important right now to uh, recognize that we do need to slow down and we do need to stop and we do need to rest um, particularly when you know we're you know we are really connecting with each other and we're doing it in different ways there's far more screen time that that digital aspect and yeah that being able to stop and 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 really slow down uh is yeah such an important aspect yeah, and I, I think to working from home and being an ISO, there's not the boundary, the normal boundary of work home, mm. and and you can be on all the time, and I think there's a risk of burnout in that, and I think it's good to be aware of it and just to kind of plan, so plan relaxation and, and leisure activities around that. Mm, definitely. So I wonder for the teachers and pre-service teachers who are listening, how do you think they can engage with uh, their online and remote learning environment that celebrates the puppies and their pets at home? Do you have any top tips about enhancing um, the savouring, appreciation, love, mindfulness, that, that awareness that can come and, and that you have spoken about previously? Sure. Um, I, I look at um, Bryant's 10 evidence-based savouring tips and or their savouring strategies, rather. So these are used by um, Tom Brunzel at Berry Street for the Berry Street Education Model. And with Tom's permission, I've got them on my Live With Zest website and I can send you that link as well. Um, and I'd invite pre-service teachers and students to show their pets or a picture of their animals mm -hmm. online. It actually helps them to connect and engage with their, um, with their students. Um, and you know what, it might be a pet from their past and that would be positive reminiscences that would be savoring in the past. It might be a pet belonging to friends or family, or it might even be a pet they look forward to having in the future. Mm. They could even, if they're stuck, if they're really stuck, there are some photos of Flash and Raffer on the Live With Zeph website. They could have a look at that too. Sugar boy, sugar boy, mummy's boy. Oh, yes, very sweet, very sweet. Yeah, he's beautiful. And I wonder, one last top tip for our, to inspire our future teachers. Cool. Well, I admire teachers and, and honestly, heartfelt thanks. I have so many happy memories of good teachers in my past. So I really am so grateful and what a rewarding career to go into. Um, I think the tip would be, I think of the leading educators and positive psychology practitioners across the globe who support the practice of savouring as an effective way to improve well-being. And these include Professor Lee Waters, Tom Brunzel in Australia, Professor Mike Steger in the US, and Professor David Cooper-Ryder. 
in the US as well, and Dr. Alona Bonniewell in Europe. Okay, and uh, just to think about how um, nurturing your capacity to savour can build your savouring muscles. So it'll help you feel good, function well, so that you can achieve your personal best. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, I love that as a top tip. That is wonderful. And I just want to say thank you so much to you and Flash and Rafa for joining us. Yeah, and I know that um, what you've shared and the work that you do um, and that, that theory and connection to practice will be so beneficial uh, for our pre-service teachers. And I can't wait for them to be inspired to um, engage with their puppies in a way that's a little bit different to what they've been doing, but also to embrace the opportunity to, to work with those young, young people uh, remotely and digitally that invites the pets to be a part of the learning experience, um, whether that's on screen or, you know, sitting by their feet. Um, so thank you so much, Rob, for joining us. My pleasure. If this episode sparked ideas, provided comfort or supported you in your professional growth, I'd love for you to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. A link for you will be placed in the episode notes, so no matter what platform you're listening on, you can access this. You may also like to share what has inspired you on social media, and I invite you to do this with the hashtag Teachers Supporting Teachers. To access this episode's notes, other episodes, as well as resources, blog, and coaching and workshop offerings, please connect on the web at www.exploreandcreateco.com or on Instagram at exploreandcreateco or on Twitter at rallypops. I'd love to connect with you. Thank you to Magnus Mooney for the music. Thanks also to my guests, Ros Rhymes, Rafa and Flash, and for her wonderful tips and advice. And I leave you with this thought. Dogs help us change states, and during this time of heightened change and need for flexibility, consider how you might connect with your dog or pet. Notice them at your feet. Notice them in your presence. Co-regulate with them. Notice the slowing down of your heartbeat. Your pet takes regular rests, stopping from being on all the time. How could this help you? And of course, savour the joy of pets and cuddles. Thank you.